Reconciliation In Atonement, Ian McEwan's symphonic novel of love and war, childhood and class, guilt and forgiveness, an elderly novelist attempts, through the alchemy of her storytelling, to atone for a tragic mistake she made as a thirteen-year-old girl. How can a novelist achieve atonement when, with her absolute power of deciding outcomes, she is also God? There is no one, no entity or higher form that she can appeal to, or be reconciled with, or that can forgive her. There is nothing outside her. It was always an impossible task, and that was precisely the point. The attempt was all. When I first read those lines, shortly after the book was published, I was immediately catapulted back in time to 1975, to the six months I spent working as a volunteer at Ashdot Yaakov, a kibbutz in Israel's Jordan Valley. Every two weeks a large contingent of German students arrived at the kibbutz to work with us in the date groves, banana fields, and chicken coops. I was told by the kibbutzniks, that the students had been sent there by the German government to ensure that the next generation would better appreciate Jewish culture and never again demonize it. When I asked an old kibbutznik named Udi, who worked with me in the very date groves he had planted in 1909, how he felt about working alongside young German volunteers, he gritted his teeth and revealed to me that seventy out of seventy-two members of his family had perished in the grisly concentration camp at Auschwitz. It is very, very hard for me to forgive. But this is a beginning, a hard beginning, but a beginning. Since then, Germany has continued its efforts to atone for the horrors of the Holocaust. It has paid out billions of dollars in reparations, returned thousands of items of stolen property, and made other amends, such as passing laws against political extremism and making it illegal to display symbols of Nazism. Fifteen years after my stint on the kibbutz, in the winter of 1990, I received a phone call from a filmmaker from Mill Valley, California. Gary Ryan told me he was making a documentary film about the Wounded Knee Massacre and its aftermath among the Dakota Sioux. Would I help? How could I say no? I gladly looked at the rough cut and was deeply stirred by the footage. But I had to know something before I signed on. Why was he making the film? Without hesitation, Gary told me that he was Jewish and that his family in Europe had been decimated by the Nazis during World War II. There was nothing he could do about that now, he confided. But he could do something about what he called the American Holocaust the wanton destruction of American Indians and their culture. He could help them tell their stories, and over the course of a few documentary films, he wanted to try to train some young Native Americans to tell their own stories with cameras. Together, over the next thirteen years, we made six films about the American Indian struggle for religious and political freedom. In his own remarkably selfless way, my friend Rhino, was offering to atone for the entire culture, a powerful act of reconciliation offered to the five hundred nations for the transgressions of the past five hundred years. As he was fond of saying, people don't change when they see the light.
they change when they feel the heat. And the most effective heat, he believed, came when people shared their stories, because it was the most effective way to realize that we have more in common than we ever dreamed of.